0.6% click rate. So no one's going to say, hey, look at my 0.6% click rate. (laughs) But he made three and a half times his normal average revenue on an email. Welcome to the Active Marketer Podcast, where we talk about how to design, automate, and scale your business to the next level using sales and marketing automation. You can find out all the tips, tactics, and techniques you need to get more customers and sell more stuff over at theactivemarketer.com. Now, here's your host, Barry Moore. Welcome to the Active Marketer Podcast, sponsored by theactivemarketer.com the podcast that is all about sales funnels and marketing automation. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Been digging a lot lately into kind of tracking and statistics um, and talking with a lot of people about metrics to track, not only in your marketing, but uh, just in your business in general. Um, You know, when we talk about email marketing, uh, we're always talking about open rates and click-through rates. And those are great. Those are absolutely me- uh, measures you should be tracking. Um, but they don't necessarily equate to, you know, the bottom line, to sales, right? You can have lots of opens but no sales or lots of clicks but no sales. Um, so uh, I thought we would talk about how you can track what's actually converting. Um, I've got Scott DeGrossier from um, wicked reports on, and I love their I love their uh, kind of tagline or their motto on their website, which is you know you're wasting half half of your marketing budget is wasted, you just don't know which half, right? So wicked reports is one of the tools that you can use to um, to track how much revenue is coming from what part of your business, or what email is generating the most revenue, what, what sales channel is generating the most revenue, you know what Facebook. Custom audience is generating the most revenue. Some really groovy stuff like that. So I got Scott to talk about uh, kind of what you should be tracking, how you should be tracking it, uh, and what kind of results he's seen from those people who are tracking it. So let's jump straight into the interview with Scott from Wicked Reports. I'd like to welcome Scott DeGrossier, DeGrossier, my apologies, to the uh, show. Welcome, Scott. Welcome, Barry. Psyched to be on. Thanks for having me. Now, I've been hearing a lot of good things about Wicked Reports from some of my colleagues, and I haven't had a chance to play with it yet, but I wanted to get you on to talk about, um, one, what it can do for us, and two, um, to, since you see so many marketers doing so many campaigns and so much tracking, I'd love it if you could share some uh, some kind of consolidated insights from all those people as to about you know, what works, how to do it the right way, and how to do it the wrong way. So I'd good? love to. Yeah, cool. I'd so, love to. First of all, for the listeners who aren't uh, familiar with Wicked Reports, could you give us a little bit of a rundown on what that is and what it does? Sure. Wicked Reports, um, we transform data into action and answers. And we're strictly focused on the small and medium business market. People that are at Facebook spending anywhere between 1000 and some customers go up to $200,000 a month. But once you're spending $1,000 a month, we can tell you what's working and not what's working in your marketing and save you at least half of that each month just by showing you things that never turn into customers, if wow. nothing else. Wow, cool. And, and what kind of stuff and are so you tracking? So we're we're wired into a couple of things, uh, AdWords and Facebook. We automatically are pulling cost at the ad level. So there's that. Um, 
And then we are wired into CRMs and sales systems, and such as ActiveCampaign and Stripe and Shopify, so that we can base your data on actual real leads and sales, not based on pixels firing. Because there's a lot of issues with pixels, and you know Facebook agrees with us. We've met with them three times already, so they've been very keen on what we're up to already, even though we're somewhat small in their eyes, I'm sure. <laughs> but they've recognized the problem and enough to you know work with us, so it's been exciting. So you're saying, like, for it's, example, like you can attribute a sale um, to a particular Facebook ad or a particular click on a Google AdWord or something like that? Yeah. So we've wired into the systems, and then we had our click tracking. And the combination of your ad accounts, your email accounts, and your sales, and the clicks that we've seen, we combine that all together, because my background's in data warehousing, to figure out um, what's important or not important in your customer's journey in attributing ROI based on actual sales. So you can then you know, up the spend or up the effort on things that are working, where the message is matching the market in for customers and stop doing things that are just getting, you know, leads that don't do anything or, you know, things that are unprofitable. Right. And you can do the same thing with, you know, say links in outbound emails, for example. So this email went out, it generated X number of sales based on... Yeah, that was the original, original, uh, the original two things I did back in 2014. This used to be a pivot table. It's like a jet engine now. (laughs) It was a pivot (laughs) table people would pay me for. And it was get leads in from Facebook somehow and then email them until they buy. And that alone made my friend's lobster business uh, tons of money just doing that. And it was really fun to be able to show, hey, uh, he sells lobsters, uh, ships them online. You, you go to his website and you order live lobsters to eat and then they show up whenever you pick in the future. And we were able to show that um, women 45 to 55 who don't live in this area of the states known as New England, but like one of the sports teams from that area, were his best customers over time. And that was pretty cool to see. Wow, that's pretty that's pretty granular. Yeah, it was. It was because then you knew how to talk to them. And you know, also it was a cool psychographic thing. Like no one would like a team from that region unless you live there at one time. And then maybe you would miss the food. So it was really cool to see. So there's someone living in Scottsdale that likes the New England Patriots and they're buying lobster from this guy. Yep, exactly. Cool. That was, uh, it, that was, you know, in California and Florida were the most expensive places to ship. They're also where he does his most sales. And he was real worried about, you know, $40 to ship the food. Yeah. No one cared. They bought. Cool. Very cool. Um, all right. Anything else in particular about the Wicked that you're uh, super excited about? Yeah, well, we spent a lot of time because the issues with a lot of analytics tools out there, there's tons of gorgeous analytic tools. They just make data look very beautiful. Ours is, I like to think ours is beautiful, but there are definitely some that make it more beautiful. But, and then there's other ones out there that rely on something called event tracking, where you have to tell the analytics program that something occurred in your business. And that fails small businesses. I consulted for another CRM for a long time, over 100 businesses of theirs, and saw that no one could get this upright. And I was like, you know, it's not the business's fault. It's the process. And so when I set out to create Wicked, it was like, I need a way to have foolproof attribution that doesn't rely on someone doing a bunch of work in order to tell the statistics that are going to run your business that something happened. So that's a big thing that we spent a lot of time on. And we have all these analytics tools, all this um, help built into the app now so that when you're looking at data, you know what action to take based on what you're looking at because you can actually pick 
real world English questions and then the data will reformat and filter itself to give you the answer. You don't have to remember how to use all of our reports anymore. Not that they're that hard, but I mean, now you don't even have to worry about it. You just come in and pick a question. Which of my emails performed the best? And we'll just resort everything for you. Which of my Facebook <laughs> ads nice. are best for... Yeah, which of my Facebook ads are best for cold traffic lead gen? Well, that's a totally different ad than the one you're going to use for retargeting. And so we'll repick all the necessary things to give you that answer. So and and you, also, you also track yeah, the value, customer lifetime value over time. Is that right? Yeah, the big driver we're doing is what's the customer lifetime value over time and how does it relate to what it costs to get them? And then, so what's that mean on the ROI? And so if the ROI is high, you should keep doing it. And if it's not, you maybe shouldn't. We've got another one that shows, you know, how long until someone's valuable. So it could be that you're going to break even during the ad, but you're going to really make out in 90 days. So that's good to know so you don't kill the ad. So we've got that type of stuff in there as well. Wow, very cool. <laughs> like that, and all kinds of cool stuff like buying time, the time of day, which day is better, where they live. buying time's a fun one. I learned this from a guy Craig Jacobson, who's a marketing whiz, and I said, "Hey, can I, I build this in as a tool?" He's as a as a report. He said, "Have at it." I always like to give intellectual attribution. <laughs> so the the concept here, what we did was we took the say we take the sales when you and this is one we can do without any tracking. We take all the customer info, and we figure out what time and day it was for the customer in their time zone when they bought which is key for any internet business that's selling information, you know, your customers are everywhere, to figure out when you should send your email because it's never 8 a.m. And, you know, all the CRMs usually pick 8 a.m. because they had to pick some time. Or they pick, hey, the time they opted in is always the time we're going to send the email. And what the theory is, which holds up, is you should send when people actually buy because that's when your solution is, when they're thinking about the problem that you solve the most. And it it really holds up well. To change your emails to that time, you make more money and it's like brainless, you know, just change the time. That's it. Just where's the bar highest? What time is it? Okay. I'm going to change my email, send then. And then you just make more money right away. So that's always a big hit because it's easy, <laughs> easy. and makes money. Love it. Love it. All right. Um, so just before the call, we were talking about, um, uh, some of the other stuff that you've seen that people do well, and then people do incorrectly or not so well. Um, so maybe we could talk a little bit about some of that stuff. So when it comes to the, you know, Facebook advertising or AdWords or tracking ROI, um, what's the best way to go about it? So there's a big thing to explain about a problem. Uh, it's not going to take a long time, but there's a big problem. You know, Facebook's had a couple issues with their metrics, which, you know, they're dealing with. But the big thing is they're using something called last click tracking for their conversion tracking. And so you go in there and you see you had a bunch of sales in Facebook, but they may not match how many sales you actually had in your Shopify or your Stripe or what have you. And the more you're doing, the more channels you're advertising and the more each channel is claiming all kinds of credit for your success. And that's because they all say, hey, if you've clicked in my platform within 30 days and then you've bought, we were the converting factor. When it's very likely to have been email, you know, or it depends on how sophisticated your Facebook advertising is. But it causes people a lot of confusion because it's always showing an inaccurate performance measure. Right. The other, the other factor um, battling the, the small business is the, you're gonna, it's going to take time usually to acquire and convert a customer from a, a prospect to a, to a customer, to a recurring customer. And that value can't always be measured in the time that the ad was running. Because if you're getting a brand new cold lead in, 
they might need to know a lot about you before they're going to buy your $2,000 coaching or join your $100 a month SaaS or whatever it is you're doing. Right. And they're not likely to just, hey, here's a brand new business. I clicked on an ad. Here's my credit card. Wonderful if you can do that. But that's, um, that's not going to happen enough to show that the, the ads are valuable. So what we find that works best for people and why we kind of design the app this way around different attribution models is you have a, you need each your campaign should have a different intent behind them rather than just spring and pray and I want everyone to buy or everyone to do something from this one set of ads. You should have a campaign that's for branding. You should have, and that's like you know you're just trying to get your brand out there and show your best content or your best videos, your best whatever you have related to what you solve. Then you want a campaign based on, okay, that you've seen my content. Here's your best way to get, uh, to get them on your list, lead gen. And so some people can get away with just doing a lead gen right away. You want to find out to cold traffic, but often you need to brand yourself first. And then there's a separate retargeting, which you're going to do, which should be a separate campaign. And then there's the, you already know about me. You've already seen my stuff. You've already maybe opted in a couple of times. I just want you to buy my stuff campaign. And why you separate it that way is because each one of the success of each of those intentions of advertising, the measurement of each of them should be based on sales attribution of the point of the goal of that campaign. So if you're just doing cold branding of content to someone that's never heard of you, you just want them to click over and read and hear about you. So then what we measure is the first click ROI. Show me all the first clicks that ever turned into customers and calculate, you know, did, did they spend more than it cost to get the clicks? And then when you're doing lead gen, it's like, okay, I got all these cold leads. Did they spend money with me? Did they spend more than what they cost? If so, this is good lead gen. You should keep doing this. And if not, you shouldn't. And then if it's retargeting, it's, it's of course, okay, what was the last thing they opted into before they bought? That's the best retargeting we should do. And that's the one that... You know, and then if all of a sudden they get in my recurring program and spend thousands with me, well, hey, now I know this is the type of campaign to run only once the audio have been on my list for a little while. Then I hit them with this lead magnet. And then uh, last click for converting is, hey, this is when they're warmed up and I know they're ready to buy. This is what I should show when they're at that point in time, not right away. Hey, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. Yeah. Very cool. So you said like you could have... You know, in the middle of that, in the lead gen to sales retargeting stuff, you could say like, right, we've got three three lead magnets on our side, three opt-in opportunities on our side, but opt-in opportunity lead magnet number two is the one that converts to sales more. Than, exactly, right. it's the one that attracts the buyers. Right. Exactly, because right. you could do a survey or a con, you could do a contest, get a ton of crappy leads. <laughs> Everyone wants to win stuff, and the yeah. idea is. Well, no one wins, and then I'm going to have all these cheap leads, and I'm going to offer a discount to buy what my contest was. I haven't seen that work yet. Yeah. Uh, it may. I'm sure it probably there's going to be five examples of, oh, it works all the time, but I've never seen it, and we've dealt with you know a fair amount of people. So I'm confident saying not your best strategy. Very cool, very cool. So, um, well, while we're on that subject, have, what have you seen that works the best for turning, you know, <laughs> A, a, so, an, op, so, an opt-in, a cold, not necessarily cold, but a semi-cold opt-in, warm opt-in to a sale. Well, that's tricky. I'll give you some examples of what worked for certain people. Because, but saying, "Hey, this works all the time," I yeah, get nervous course. about doing yeah. that because you know it's that market at that point in time, and based on that, problem that, and that how that yeah. person speaks and how they speak to their customer, yeah. and that's why you got to have these campaigns set up right, and you got to test them because you just download 
I mean, digital marketer has killer stuff. You have some great stuff. And just because you it worked for you guys doesn't mean it's going to work for the other person because the way they apply it, the way they're priced, the way they're positioned. That's why I can't say, hey, go do this and yeah, no. it's going to make a bitch. <laughs> but let what me, I will say... Let me, uh, me rephrase <laughs> that. What have you seen that works well? Okay. So here was one that worked well and what uh, lends itself to how we had to track it to know it worked well. So the lobster guy lets me share his data. That's why, I, and I know this one well because I've given this example before. He did a 52% off coupon and he thought he was going to get a ton of sales because it was going to expire in a certain time frame. He ran it. He spent $5,500 over a month, which is a big spend for him. And during the time frame, he made 3,700 bucks. So he, revenue. So he lost money. He lost $1,800 on the campaign, which sounds like, you know, that wasn't a good idea. But over time, those leads ended up spending almost $40,000 with them. So he actually made eight to one. Wow. And so an ex- what he found then for him was an expiring coupon attracts people who maybe if they don't bite on that, they're the type of people that are willing to pull the trigger and buy some food from them. And so then you can dig into the campaign and then the 80-20 of which message to which market, it was specifically to two lookalikes they had from his like Christmas customers 2014, this lookalike audience that was nine to one. He made money nine to one. But so he knows, hey, if I need to go shake the money tree, <laughs> I show expiring coupons to this audience and it's going to attract leads that eventually buy. Right. And so, but then it was like down to that one precise level. And it was on um, likes Dean and DeLuca Foods, some upscale food right. seller here targeted. But then some of the other ones, the ROI was okay. I mean, he still like doubled his money, but just still great. But this fantastic ROI was really like just supersonic ROI. You know, the more you dig in, you can really get, he can really leverage it the next time. And did he do that? Did he go so back? Was, did he go back to that lookalike audience a couple of times? Go back to that well? Oh yeah, he's, yeah. he's gone. He's gone back to lookalike audience is gold. And then a Facebook consultant came on from Facebook and wanted to say, "Hey, you should really update this lookalike audience to refresh it because it's December 2014." At that point, I don't know. The guy probably had other interesting things to say, but I was just like, "Okay, we can't, we can't listen to this guy. <laughs> this is the golden goose audience of all time." Right. So literally made him like a hundred hundred thousand dollars on one audience right. over time. It's like we're not touching that thing. I don't know what you guys are doing, but this is the greatest algorithm on earth. This one look alike. So I would recommend that as well. So take your best customers, throw them in and have a look alike. Um that's probably depending on your level of Facebook, maybe that's Facebook targeting one on one. I don't yeah. know, but lookalikes crop up as a top audience a lot of the time for customers of ours. Oh, very good. That's interesting. Cool. As long as the lookalike um, population is, uh, you know, we we looked at his. He had a couple thousand, uh, you know, he probably around ten thousand customers at the time. We took his top one thousand and threw him in as a lookalike, and then we took his Christmas twenty fourteen when he had the greatest month of his life and threw that up as a separate lookalike. And those two continually just make money. They just make money all the time. It's interesting, like you know, you come across that stuff you wouldn't necessarily intuitively think is is what's going to happen, so. or how straightforward it is. You know, it's yeah. not like super rocket science. Just take your best customers, say Facebook, can you find some of this? And then, hey, I, I could have some other real interesting Jedi stat tricks, but that just works really well. That one, so just go do that. Would be my personal opinion. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, <laughs> any other stuff you've seen work um, really well that you were maybe surprised about? Let me think. What else? Um, 
Oh, yes. Personal emails with a discount that aren't actually even related to the product. Surprisingly, so email, uh, my little dietary, uh, I don't know how to say that right. My little speech on email is, I think, you know, open rates are, it's great if you can get an email open, but you should start from does the email sell and work your way back. Then does it get clicked on? Then worry about opens because you might get a lot of opens because you have witty subject lines and no one really takes any action that you want. Or they might just be opening because they're in their phone. You know, open rates are not an accurate metric anyway because they got to be downloading the pixel. So I wouldn't worry about open rates. So a guy sends an email out about um, he did the marathon. And then he says, oh, by the way, buy my stuff. Here's a discount marathon, 54% off. And I got it and I was like, who cares that you ran the marathon? Well, I was like, great, but this email is going to be a dud. And it did. It had point... I'm just creating a course on this right now. 0.6% click rate. So no one's going to say, hey, look at my 0.6% click rate. But he made three and a half times his normal average revenue on an email. And then he did another one, which was even bigger. What was it? it was some other awful thing. Not the marathon, but some other... Oh, his birthday. Hey, it's my birthday. I want to offer you a gift. And I was like, oh, how cheesy is that? So it's not copyright. And this guy actually normally is, can really write. Hey, it's my birthday. I'm so grateful for my business. So save money on my stuff. <laughs> Instead of just saying save money on my stuff, right? Yeah. He did nine times. He did 18. His average email is like a little over two grand an email, which he already, you know, he does well on email. It's two grand an email. That's great. He did $18,000 on that email. And it was the exact same crap, not crap, but I mean, exact same strategy emails each time. Hey, I have a deal. (laughs) And it was like the same thing, but it was like, hey, it's my birthday. I have a deal. And there's a picture of him when he was eight with his brother or whatever. And and the click rate was (laughs) the click rate. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. And he's a friend of mine. I was like, oh, Jesus. And, uh, you know, that was like a 1.5% click rate. There was like 1,100 people clicked out of over, no, so that was under a percent. 120,000 people got out, only 1,100 clicked, but he made 18 grand. And it wasn't because the price was super high. It was his normal price, $100 ticket. Just people, I don't know. It still doesn't make sense to me. But so then that's, so I would offer that up as personal, uh, Personal stories tend to work. So I tried it when I was doing the course. I just had my wife and I just had our third baby. We said, hey, save money on the Kickstarter Wicked Reports. Put in code Adeline for her name. Like I used my email list was tiny at the time, a couple thousand people. Boom, I had like five or six sales on an email, which was, you know, normally our our sales process is a lot. We know if you need to see a webinar. Uh, they want to see the product in action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, boom, I had a list and I didn't know who had seen it or not. I just emailed it out and you know what? It grabbed me out of the six sales. I mean, our lifetime values, you know, we don't have a lot of churn. Our lifetime value is really high. So that was a great email. I know what I'm <laughs> doing. Tomorrow. Uh, I know what I'm doing tomorrow. <laughs> I was, it's shocking. When you, when, you start, when you started talking, I was like, oh, I sent out an email about a marathon. I wonder if that was my email he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, I, and, uh, and this guy's a friend of mine. And it wasn't like, oh, you're so annoying. I just was like, I don't think this is a good idea, man. Who wants to know about your life? And I was wrong. And that's why I like data. Because everyone has opinions in the boardroom or your, you know, on your Skype call. Do this and don't do that. But data settles it. And yep. customers settle everything. Not, oh, see, I told you. I have way more click-through rates. So I had a better idea. No, you don't. It might just be people clicking because you had like an attractive member of the opposite sex or same sex, depending on your persuasion. <laughs> it might have just been that. And that's why you got the clicks. That didn't prove anything. If people turn into customers from what you do, then you know what? You get the bragging rights. So that's why I, I love it. 
love you, data. It pay- helps businesses grow. You know, yeah. I mean, they then they know they actually know what the heck's going on in their business, so it's it's fun. Or the pixel, or the pixel fired a dozen times for some reason on their email. Oh, all the time, <laughs> all the time. That huge, happens. huge tracking uh, anomalies. Yep. All right. Well, let's let's look at the opposite side of that coin. What are some things that you thought were, was going to work well, or, or a campaign, or something that was going to work well, and ended up just tanking? Um, I've seen uh, sweepstakes not work, contests. People were cold. Uh, I've seen contests not work often. Um, in terms of customers, Tim get a ton of leads. We get so excited behind them. You always see them bragging about how cheap their actual traffic was, but never um, how many customers they got because they don't get a lot. <laughs> Fair enough. It, just, it, it doesn't attract the people that that buy. Yeah. Whatever reason, um, not enough. A lot of the ones I've seen. I should preface it. I haven't seen anyone have any luck with it. So. Uh, what else? Um, refer a friends, you know, Hey, we're going to go viral because everyone's going to refer everyone cause they get points, yada, yada. Yeah. You know, when you see, and I have this theory about a couple of those type of things, um, that you hear them and people get excited and think they're, tr- they're going to work because it's newsworthy when they actually do work. So it becomes news and then right, people right. talk about it. Like, look at that thing that worked. It's like everyone's starting a SaaS business now because, you know, Uber and Airbnb and like five other companies are worth a lot of money. So now everyone says, oh, it's so easy. I'll start a SaaS <laughs> yeah. and I'll be rich because it's newsworthy that like 10 of them did out of the millions that have tried it. Yeah. So I feel like with contests and with refer a friend, there are examples, you know, look how I grew my email list to a hundred thousand in five months or whatever. You know what? That, that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> and so what? It doesn't. Who, who cares how big your email list if it doesn't make you money, right? <laughs> yeah, that also. Exactly. Yeah. That's like saying, you know, Hey, I'm going to go become an actor because Brad Pitt makes, you know, $20 million a movie. It's like, yeah, there's, two, <laughs> there's two guys that get that much money. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. yeah, for sure. All right. So, um, yeah, yeah. So those are the ones that I have not. I have not say you know the invest your money on gadgets. You know, try to do things. You really just focus on what's your core message funnel and getting that to work. Yeah. And then the then the world's your oyster. If you got a product market fit with a with a funnel that converts, you just obsess about that. Then you can get on all the gamification and cool, fun, different, unique ways of promoting your business. Which is get your core. I have something. You need it. Please buy it. <laughs> yeah. if I think that works. Then you're in business. I think as entrepreneurs, the example I use is like entrepreneur orange juice, where you know you go to make you got a bag of oranges and you go to grab a first orange, you squeeze like ten percent of the juice out of it, and then you're kind of bored and you grab another orange. <laughs> and squeeze like you end up squeezing ten percent <laughs> of the juice out of like twenty oranges instead of just taking that one orange and squeezing ninety percent out of it before you move on. But yeah, yep. Opti- yep. optimize the optimize what's working before you go for the next shiny thing. We've seen people, you know, optimize a certain funnel and just take it to way further than I ever thought they could get. Like they make some success, get to like, you know, 20 grand a month. And I'm like, wow, they did a good job there. And then months later they stick with it and they're six figures, six figures a month. I don't see this happen like on a daily basis, but it's consistent enough. You get something that's working, then you just pour gasoline because people can get traffic for you. If you can convert people, then the sky's the limit, you know? So just worry about that. So worry about what makes people become customers. And then once you have that down, then you can always find people to buy you traffic, send you traffic, affiliate you traffic, something. Right. right. 
All right, so for those listeners out there who maybe aren't doing much or any uh, of this tracking, uh, conversion tracking and sales attribution stuff, um, where where's a good place for them to get started? How do they take their first steps? Yeah, I think you you need to, well, whatever you're going to do, you need to find out if it works or not. So if you aren't going to be ready for a solution like Wicker Reports, let's say you're just starting out, at the minimum, look up, uh, read up on Google UTM tags. Uh, UTM stands for Urchin Tracking Module, which just happens to be some weird name that the company <laughs> who Googlebot branded it. Right, right, right. <laughs> but it's stuck. It's UTMs. So at a minimum, put UTMs on the things you're doing to just see if anyone cared enough to click. Because if you can't get people to click, so rather than doing stuff and then, you know, then seeing, oh, look, I have 100 more hits today. I wonder where that came from. You actually have some visibility in the, in the canned Google reports to just see, because based on your UTMs, you can use Google Analytics to at least see, you know, what are those people doing? You can't, it, it's, it's not easy uh, to get the deep level of stuff, like in terms of attribution, you're not going to get any of that, but you can at least see, do people care enough to click? And that's the first start. Because at least you're saying, okay, there is some interest here. And you'll probably in the eighty twenty. And the other thing, then, is when you're prowling around your, your, you know, your Google Analytics at that point, is just use the eighty twenty principle of just say, hey, what's the top two or three things out of what I've been doing that's actually working? Because then you can test all your content that way. You just use different tags, and if you're posting it on Facebook, you could tag it, or you know, if you have a following there. Yeah. Or if you've got an email list of some kind or whatever, because then you can see, you know, okay, I've tried these 10 things and here are two things that people actually seem to have at least responded to somewhat. And then if that excites you, whatever they're, whatever they responded to, at least you have a lead, a data lead into something you can exploit for, uh, you know, benefit for everyone. Yeah, for sure. So for those, for those listeners out there who, who might not necessarily know what we're talking about with UTMs and what they can track, um, you've all seen them. They're those big long URLs that have a whole bunch of stuff in there. But um, can you explain, perhaps, you know, what are the things that a UTM uh, URL, sure. UTM parameters can actually track? Yeah, sure. So there's, um, they can. Tr- what it is is you're putting tracking on anything outside of your site and by or web property, I should say, your click funnels or your your web, WordPress site or your entre page or what have you, you're putting stuff out. Oh, I guess that wouldn't be for this audience. <laughs> Probably not that one. <laughs> That's all right. Edit that, edit that one out. <laughs> Sorry. So you're putting, uh, you're trying to figure out with, uh, let me start this over again. Let me think about this. So the purpose of UTMs is to say, where are people coming from? If nothing else. And so what you can do whenever you're posting a, a link about your site or your landing page or whatever you are sending them to, that's yours. You can add a string of text on the end of the link, which Google Analytics will grab and then um, keep track of for you. And so then that will give you a basis of figuring out um, why did this person come to my site? And so there's five variables they use, one being source which would be at a very high level, meaning like I posted this on Facebook or I posted this on Twitter or, or this it was from my email system. So that would be how you would use the source um, parameter. 
And so what it is, is you have a parameter called source and then the value is whatever you type in. And what you should type in is whatever is going to make sense for you on the report. That's really the only driving factor of it. I find that putting at a high level Google or Facebook or email is best because you want to use source to just see, hey, at a high level, what channel is bringing me traffic? That's not enough to scale, but at least gives you a clue. Yep. Medium's the second one. That's the that's the medium that delivered the link. They clicked on a link from somewhere. What was it that delivered the link to them? And so on Facebook, if you're doing a post, it's the medium is post. Email, you're sending an email, so the medium is email, and so on and so forth. Twitter would be tweet. Pinterest be pin. So it's a delivery mechanism. Because you may find, hey, well, my posts are getting a lot more than my blogs, or you know, vice versa, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then campaign is one that people, uh, you know, campaign, if you're sending it from your email, you want it to match the name of your campaign in your active campaign. Right. So then it's very brainless. You say, oh, I, I did this campaign in active campaign and here it is in Google Analytics. So it's very, you want it to be clear so you know where to go in your email system. If you're doing a Facebook advertisement, you want it to match Facebook campaign name. If you're doing um, just lead gen on social randomly, just call it social lead gen because that's all you're really doing. Then you don't have to get caught up in naming each campaign differently because then if you don't have a lot of clicks, you're going to have a hodgepodge of small click counts. So whenever you're doing a social, just call it social lead gen. Then the other two are not talked about a lot and particularly term. I call term the you know, neglected child of... <laughs> the neglect, <laughs> I, I've had a the neglected post. urchin. Yeah, yeah, neglected urchin. So content should be whatever it is that's going to remind you of what you were posting about. So if you're linking to your new blog post about UTMs, if I was, I'd call my content blog about UTMs because then I know, hey, that was what got them over there. Or if it's the ad, if it's an ad, you want to know what the ad it is. When I'm emailing out, hey, go listen to Barry's podcast to my list, it's going to be Barry's podcast. So then I know, okay, Barry will know, hey, they came from the Wicked the podcast about Wicked Reports. So that's what I would do for that. And, and by the way, that medium would be podcast, what I would use. Yeah. And so then for term, which no one used, that, no one really used it a lot. And I use, Wicked Reports, it was, it was a heavy driver back in the old days. Now we do a lot of auto tracking for people. They don't need to even think about this stuff. But term is audience. Because when you're looking at a big pile of data, you want to know, hey, was this my Twitter fans? Was this a particular search term in Google? Uh, you know, if you're doing AdWords, was it a particular Facebook audience or was it my email list? And it's really slick to be able to compare those. So you pervert the you know, term was meant to just be for search term, but then Google uh, started hiding search term. But if you're doing AdWords, they put the keyword in there that was searched. So you can grab that if you use Wicked Reports or I don't know if you'd be able to do it now if you're just starting out. <laughs> but with term for email, you put existing list or existing email list. So then when you're prowling around, you know, okay, that was my email list that did that. And then for Twitter, you'd say, you know, Twitter fans or Twitter followers. And same with Facebook, right. Facebook fans, Instagram followers. You know, we were able to track someone's Instagram. It makes them 30K a month. It's unbelievable. Wow. Just from that link in their profile. I mean, they have a pretty large following, but. They had no idea. They're like, you're yeah, the first person to tell us how. And it was just a UTM string that made sense that they could understand. It was really the key. I mean, it's simple, but it's, it's easy to get lost in the complexity. And really, you, whenever you're setting those values, again, I'm going to repeat myself here, but just make sure they make sense to you, whatever you pick, because you're the one that has to be able to make a decision off what you're looking at. Yeah, and you know you can you can always put those in a spreadsheet somewhere so they can go back to them later or whatever. It's gonna. Yeah, we give people a spreadsheet builder. Just so if they want to freelance on their own, they can at least have some insights. Yeah. 
that's the easiest way, then it's clean. So that's a good idea. Cool. All right, Scott, in, in what cool things, I know you got some cool things coming down the pike in Wicked Reports. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, we got some real cool stuff coming. We have or, we haven't tracked organic that well. Um, we've we've made people build links for organic, and now we're going to be actually tracking organic coming in January. So if you have a big heavy site that's referring you traffic, you'll know. Or if you, all your traffic's from search, you'll know. So we have organic tracking coming. We've got a couple of new slick integrations. Our Shopify app will be in the App Store uh, in a couple of weeks. It's already working, but it'll be officially blessed by Shopify here. Um, we have d- row-level data quality alerts, which is a mouthful to say. I probably need to brand that. Sounds better. impressive. I have no idea what you're talking about, but I was really impressed there for a second. <laughs> oh, okay, well, let's see. I was thinking, oh, man, I need to make this easier. So what it means is when you're looking at data, um, if, if for some reason you, it needs your attention, either because you really crushed it or because it's doing quite badly, or because um, it's doing so bad that it's probably you didn't have, tr- we've detected that you didn't put tracking on a link or something. You have a little visual indicator of different uh, color or symbol. And then when you click on it, the page slides out and actually instructs you on how to fix it. Because a lot of problem with, you know, small businesses, medium-sized business, you got so much going on, you might forget to do you might forget to track something or you might you know, just not notice, hey, I'm losing a ton of money here. And so we're doing more aggressive um, alerting and kind of triaging the data for you to give you the actions you need to take on it. So that one's been a long time coming and it's finally ready. That combined with our questions where you can just pick a question and we give you the answer. And then even further, if you're not happy with your performance, we have something called the Wicked Academy, which actually is up already. You can um, will lead you to the specific lesson that can help for that particular situation. So it could be, hey, your email stinks. Here are some, <laughs> and one of them's personal email stories, yeah. <laughs> and one of them's countdown timers. You know, there's a, there's a like, here's some stats. Here's how to measure it. Yeah. Here's how to do it. Here's where to get a timer because those are easy things to do. But people, you know, you just get caught up working and you forget. Yeah. Oh, geez, maybe I should just do a timer. <laughs> yeah. Just make you money. Just throw a timer on there. People always buy more. Wow. So that's all coming out to shoot. There's more too. I don't know. We, we, we love innovating the product. So what we do is we talk to the customers a lot. You know, we talk to about 20, 30 customers a month to say, what are you using? What are you not using? What do you need? What make your life easier? And so that's how we evolve the product now is based on, uh, is based on what the customers need to grow their business. That's what we do. So. It's got us this far. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much, Scott. We might wrap it up there. Um, if people want to find out more, it's just wickedreports.com. Um, there's it is. Nice little demos, nice little walkthroughs there that uh, demonstrate how the product works and what it can track. Um, I want to thank you for your time. Thanks for coming on. And um, if somebody wants to reach out to you uh, for a little bit more info, how's the best way to do that? Yeah, uh, the, well, there's a couple ways. Um, off the website's probably best because we have live chat on there. Okay. Staffed by uh, my brother, who's <laughs> one of the people who will then G chat me if, if need be. Right. And he knows everything about the product himself. So I would say live chat off the site's always best. The other thing is that, you know, we have on demand webinars there. So you can learn a lot about the product immediately if you're more interested. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Scott. And uh, look forward to seeing you online. Awesome. Take it easy, Barry. Thanks for having me. You can find all the information we discussed over at the show notes at theactivemarketer.com forward slash 73. If you want to find out more about Wicked Reports, just head on over to wickedreports.com. And if you want to find out how to design, automate, and scale your business, 
with sales funnels and marketing automation, head over to activemarketeracademy.com. The online coaching, training, and mentoring community where we take the mystery out of implementing these powerful sales techniques into your business. So check it out over at activemarketeracademy.com. I'm going to ask you one last favor before we wrap up today, and that is if you got value out of today's episode, awesome, I'm glad. Um, But I'd like you to pay it forward and share this episode with somebody you know who might equally get some value out of it and find it useful. Until next week, everybody, I'll see you online and get out there and design, automate, and scale your business using sales funnels and marketing automation. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Active Marketer Podcast. You can find the show notes and all the latest marketing automation news over at theactivemarketer.com.